Journey into space. The BBC presents Jet Morgan in The World in Peril. carrying Jet Morgan and his crew towards Earth, crashed on the huge asteroid which was the flagship of the Martian fleet. Aboard was the lone Martian who, in spite of being the only one left in the whole solar system, seemed determined to carry out the invasion of Earth, which had been planned by his ancestors hundreds of years before. Then Harding, once a crew member of Jet's original fleet but now working for the Martian, arranged the Earthman's transfer from the wrecked freighter into the bowels of the asteroid. Well, these are your quarters, gentlemen. I hope you find them to your liking. This place for us? Yes. Blimey, posh, isn't it? A sight more comfortable than that old freighter, I must say. Where do we sleep? Well, this is just your common room. The bedrooms are behind the doors leading off here. The controls on the wall manipulate the entertainment circuits. Well, what are they? Well, they're clearly labeled radio, film, and in a few weeks when we get closer to Earth, you can receive the television programs radioed from stations in every principal city down there. Oh, you mean the television stations down on Earth are still operating? Of course. You think we'd be going to all this trouble if they weren't? Now, you'll find a change of clothing in the closets in your bedrooms. Meanwhile, you'll remain here until you're sent for. When will that be? You have no idea. Maybe an hour, maybe in a month. So long for now. Food will be brought in an hour. Do you think he really knows that the television transmitters down on Earth are still working? How can he? It'll be weeks before we get close enough to Earth to pick up TV signals. What is more important is whether Control received our last message. Oh, we'll never know now, that's for certain. Well, if we wake up one morning to find the invasion's over, we'll know they didn't get it. Or that they failed to take action on it, which is more likely. Uh, if only we had some way of finding out. Why not ask his nibs, the Martian? He'd know, I bet. And you think he'd be likely to tell us? I bet Control is calling us right now and wondering why they don't get a reply. That should be obvious. And if they've any sense, compel them to take action. Look, did you tell them the fleet was on its way. Of course I did. The only thing I couldn't tell them was when it would arrive. Two months. Is that all? That was the time I was given. Oh, they'll never expect us as soon as that. They'll estimate six months at least. And if they leave closing down TV stations till then, they'll have had it. Good and proper. Maybe we can find some way of contacting them from here. Or from right in the enemy's camp? Are you kidding? Every move you make will be watched. Every word you say will be heard. There you are. What did I tell you? We remained virtually imprisoned in the large and comfortable living quarters for what must have been weeks on end. During that time, nobody came near us, except an odd condition type or two to bring us our food and to clear up. We amused ourselves as best we could, listened to radio programs from Earth and watched innumerable films which we could select at the press of a button. We spent hours gazing at a televiewer screen which showed us the universe outside. Always... Right in the center of the picture was the Earth. It grew larger every time we looked at it. After seven weeks, it had grown so large that we were able to pick out the features of its surface with ease. Slowly, the five continents revolved before us. The brilliant white clouds appeared to be actually touching the Earth's surface, and the sea, shining like a skin of pale blue glass, seemed to be on the same level as the land masses, and part of them. At this distance, it had a strangely solid appearance, 
as solid as the brilliant polar ice caps which form the brightest part of the globe. We were getting very close to home now. We should, under normal circumstances, have been thrilled at the thought, but now, with the fate of the whole world at stake, our homecoming was far from being a happy one. think we're near enough to receive any TV transmissions? Always assuming they're operating. It's less than three hours since you tried every channel that thing is able to receive. Oh, we'd have traveled a long way in three hours. Let's wait a bit. If a picture did appear, I, I couldn't stand it. Neither could I, but putting it off won't help. We might as well know the dreadful truth. I'll put it on. Hey, wait a minute. Sounds like we've got visitors. Hey, it's Harding. How do you do, gentlemen? I have to take you to the Martian suite. What? He wants to see you. Well, what for? Why can't he talk to us over the intercommunication system? I never question Martian orders, Captain. Merely obey them, shall we go? Oh, very well. Not you, Mr. Evans. You're to stay here. Why? Why single me out? Orders are that you stay here. All right. There's no need to shout at me. The rest of you follow me. This way, please. Well, this seems to be the end of the line. Just a huge circular room. With a high, dome-shaped roof. Is this where he hangs out? Can anybody see him? There's so little light, it's not easy to see anything. Oh, blimey! Look out! What is it, Lemmy? Over there! Somebody's standing against the wall! Stand still. Don't move. Uh, hello? Anybody here? Of course. Would I have invited you here if there wasn't? It's him! It's the geezer! I thought you said he was a giant. Whoever that is isn't any bigger than we are. And why doesn't he move? He just stands there staring at us. Oh, what an ugly mug! And those eyes... They're glowing, I swear it. What do we do, Jet? Go over to him? I suppose so. Maybe he wouldn't like it if we approached too close. Go ahead. I don't mind. That voice seems to come from up on the roof. Of course. And who's that over there? Why don't you go over and see? He doesn't bite. In fact, he wouldn't move a muscle if you bit him. Come on. Well, I'll be... That's nothing but a statue. Carved from rock with precious stones for eyes. Hey. And this poor light, no wonder we mistook it for a man. It's like a relic from an ancient South American civilization. That's exactly what it is. But when my ancestors acquired it, the civilization which produced it was contemporary. The city from which that statue came has long since been destroyed by a violent earthquake. Its remains overgrown by the jungle. But the people who lived in it were kind to us. So, when we returned to Mars, we brought most of them back. They built our cities for us. So that's why those pyramids down on Lacus Solis were so familiar. Yes. They were built by Earthmen. Before we took those Indians back to Mars, it never occurred to us to build upwards. We always built down into the ground. So is that why you brought us here, just to tell us that? No. I want to talk to you. What about? We are getting very close to Earth now. We realize then. I have a great liking for you and your crew, Captain Morgan. A great admiration, in fact. Aye, aye. Now what's he leading up to? I admire the way you have stuck steadfastly to your purpose. It is only a pity that you should have spent so much of your time and energy on a lost cause. All is not lost yet. You still live in the hopes of Earth having taken action on your information about television stations? Of course. I'm sorry to have to disappoint you. Now what? On the wall, a picture's appearing. You can see Earth has taken no action whatsoever. Oh, blimey. What do they think they've got to laugh at down there? All stations are working at full 
literature all over the world. Paris? London? And New York. Come on, head for the canyon. It's no good. I've done it for you. Go on. No, Chuck. We came this far together. We'll see it through to the end. We'll never make it. We can try, can't we? They're gaining on us. Only a couple of hundred yards behind us now. Save your breath. We'll need that for the fight. End of part two. The third part of our thrilling play will be shown in a few moments. Meanwhile, here is something that will interest you. Are you feeling tired and run down, out of sorts, weary in the morning after a long night's rest? Then you need Voco, nature's own tonic. Voco will put you in prime condition. Remember the name, Voco. Condition is right. It'll take more than Voco to get you out of the condition you'll soon be in, mate. So you see, Captain Morgan, all your efforts have been in vain. It's futile for you to hope that you can do anything to prevent the invasion. Well? But even after the conquest, as you call it, the Earth will still need men, Earth men, to carry out my orders and help run it efficiently. I'd rather my controllers were not conditioned types. And there are very few normal men whom I can trust. And you think you can trust us? I am sure. Once you've decided to accept such positions. But the answer is no. A pity. What else can I offer? To call off the invasion and go home. Would you have called off your invasion of Mars had I asked you? At least I have a good reason for invading Earth. I am looking for somewhere to live. And why move into our planet? Is there nowhere else you can go? Not in this solar system, there isn't. Well, you talk as though there are others. There are. Our nearest neighbor, the star you know as Proxima Centauri, has 15 attendant worlds, and all but two of them supporting life of some kind. One is remarkably like the Earth. Then why don't you go there? Proxima Centauri is more than four light years from here. Even in these asteroids, we couldn't hope to cover the distance in less than 70 years. The whole lifetime of an Earth. But only a fraction of that of a Martian. Then you could go then. That would solve all our problems. It is not just myself I have to consider. There are thousands of Earthmen who are part of this fleet. Do you deny them the right to return home? Not if they return without you, we don't. They cannot return without me. Besides, I am not so young myself. There would be precious little of my life left by the time our destination was reached, and none at all the rest of the Earthmen in this fleet. Well, that does put a different light on it, I must say. There is also the question of conserving the resources of Earth. For I am convinced that unless man is forced to take care of the planet he has inherited, he will rapidly destroy it, himself, and all other kinds of life in the process. Oh, far from being opposed to my plan, you should welcome it. It can only result in ultimate good. How many times have we heard that line? There's a great deal in what you say. Man is destructive, but he's rapidly learning that it doesn't pay. He is not learning fast enough, Captain. Neither did we. I offer the Earth the benefit of a million years of experience. But you cannot do it without holding the Earth in subjection. I will. <laughs> By hypnotism. That is the only weapon I need. But it is a weapon. The subjects will be unaware that they are hypnotized. To them, nothing will appear to be changed. Their future happiness is assured. What makes you think they'll be happy? Why shouldn't they be? You think they'll knuckle down and obey orders without question at all times, forever? I do not have to hold them down. I cannot live that long. But I want to spend the time left to me quiet among the Earth's green hills, 
under its blue sky and along its golden shores. By the time I am dead, the Earth will have learned its lesson. You won't. And be glad to leave the kind of life I will establish, because it is the only way. But your Martian way of life is entirely alien to basic human nature. You think so? Earthmen on the whole do not like taking orders from anybody. Your own crew take orders from you. They obey you implicitly. Because that is their wish. You'd soon see a difference in their attitude if I ordered them about at the point of a gun. Besides, the conditioning to which you will subject the Earthmen will wear off in time. And they'll awake to the realization of your existence and, and what you've done to them. Well, that's where you make your mistake. Materially, your victims may be better off. But there is one vital part of their makeup which you'll have overlooked. And what is that? Their love of freedom. The most vital thing a man can have next to his soul. Earthmen in all parts of the world have been conquered many times by other Earthmen. There's no doubt at all that in many cases the conquest has been a good thing for the conquered. Brought them new ways of life. Raised their standard of living. Turned them from fierce savages into civilized beings, but have they been grateful? They should have been. Well, in a way they have, but most men prefer to control their own destinies. And the moment people on Earth wake up to the fact that they're governed by an alien like you, you will have a revolt on your hands. I guarantee it. Oh, history proves time and again that you can hold a group of people down for a period, but you cannot hold them down forever. The desire for freedom is too strong. And you'll find half the men leading the revolt will be your supervisors and controllers. Men like Jack Evans, who won't be above organizing a little conquest of their own if they get the chance. Yeah, the earth will be in a far greater mess than it is now, and all your good intentions will have come to nothing. That we shall see. You put up a good case, but the invasion will be carried through just the same. I thought perhaps you might have had the welfare of your home planet sufficiently at heart to cooperate with us. Clearly you have. But this is no ordinary conquest, Captain. Remember that. And above all, do not underestimate my power. Blimey, what's that? Look at the wall. It's glowing, all of it. Yeah, there's a picture appearing. This must be another of those three-dimensional televiewer screens. Oh, look. It must be him. He's showing himself. Crikey, he's as tall as a house. Is this supposed to frighten us? No, Captain Morgan. Mere size could not frighten you. Lemmy. Eh? Look at me. Look into my face. Uh, you, you, you go and take a runny jump at yourself. Look into my face. Get out of it. Look into my face. Oh, mother. What big eyes you've got. Oh, oh, what's going on? I feel... What do you say now, Lemmy? What are your orders? Very good. You see, gentlemen, how easily it can be done. And everything down on Earth is ready. What are your orders? Lemmy. Don't worry. His conditioning is slight. A few slaps on the cheek will soon bring him round. Now you may return to your quarters. He's gone. Thank goodness. Lemmy. Oh, it's all right, Jet. I'll get him. Lemmy. Lemmy. Oh. Lemmy, wake oh. up. Oh, oh, what happened? Get up on your feet. Did I, did I faint or something? Uh, you're okay now. Now, come on. Where are we going? Back to our quarters. The interview is over. After returning to our quarters, the first thing we did was to switch on our televiewer receiver. I think in the back of all our minds was the hope that perhaps the Martian had been fooling us, 
that the so-called transmissions from Earth were, in fact, a trick to convince us that all hope had gone and to persuade us to fall in with his plan. But the stations were working all right. Earth, apparently, was completely unaware of the danger it was in. Two days later, we had crossed the moon's orbit and were rapidly approaching Earth. The final stage had come. Aye, aye, something's happening. What's all that noise? Goodness knows, Lenny. Now, how about you, Evans? Do you know what it is? The asteroid is slowing down. We're preparing to go into orbit round the Earth. Oh, no. This ship will remain approximately 5,000 miles above the surface. The smaller asteroids will go into about 1,000 miles. And then? When every ship is in position, the broadcast will be made. The Martian's face will appear on every receiver working down on Earth. In just a couple of minutes, it'll be all over. Isn't there anything we can do? Not that I'm aware of. Except to make the best of the circumstances and throw your lot in with the invading force. And what if we don't care to? Then I have no doubt you will be conditioned yourselves, eventually. And from then on, you'll have no choice but to do exactly as you're told. Encouraging, isn't it? We could only wait and let events take their inevitable course. Thirty-six hours later, we were in free orbit round the Earth. And the rest of the fleet, hundreds upon hundreds of smaller asteroids, had taken up their positions a thousand miles above the Earth's surface. They formed a belt round and above the Earth's equator, similar to those that encircle the planet Saturn. They were 4,000 miles below the big asteroid in which we were traveling, but we could see them quite distinctly. We were powerless to do anything. We had no way of contacting Earth now. We could only stand by helpless and watch. Lemmy. Yes, Mike? Turn on the television receiver. What for? We might as well know when the end does come. Be careful, Captain. What about? When the Martian appears and begins the conditioning process, it will affect everybody who is watching, including us. Then we won't watch. We'll just listen. She's on. It's London, number one. And if I might say so, that music they're playing could be more appropriate. How long before the fatal transmission will be made? It was scheduled for 1,600 hours universal time. That's only 90 minutes from now. That's all. What the... Hey, the receiver, it's cut. What? Here, Jet. And the picture's gone, too. Yeah. No, the set must have broken down. Martian receivers don't break down. But Earth's transmitters do. Let me switch to another channel. Right. No, nothing. Oh, try the rest. Try all of them. Yes, mate. Madrid. Nothing. Paris. Nothing. New York. Nothing. Johannesburg. Nothing. Everything's off. Can't be a transmitter working anywhere. Then they must have been closed down. Yeah. They've taken action at last. <laughs> but this is too good to believe. But why take so long about oh, it? Oh, does it matter? So long as they're off, the Martian plan for hypnotizing the world's populace is frustrated. Let's hope they are off, and it's just, just this receiver that's gone wrong. No, it's not the receiver, Doc. There's definitely nothing for it to pick up. His nips has had it now. What can he do? He'll oh. think of something. He'll not be beaten that easily. You think so? I would like to see him get out of this. Fifteen hours since those transmitters went off, and absolutely nothing has happened. 
Why doesn't that geezer do something? He can't just leave the entire fleet encircling the Earth forever. Maybe he's hoping the television transmitters will open up again. No chance of that, Doc, I'm sure. Yeah, they don't know what a narrow escape they had down there. But why did they wait until the last minute? Oh, I think that's easily explained, Mitch. They got our message all right, but they didn't expect the fleet to arrive for another couple of months at least. But when the asteroids appeared in the sky, and everybody on Earth must have seen them, they had to shut down quickly. That's why they didn't go off until the last moment. Oh, but there's pandemonium going on down there. Not half a pandemonium there will be if the Martian attempts a landing without having conditioned everybody first. Captain Morgan. Oh, crikey, he's here. Hello, yes? You have exactly one hour in which to get off this asteroid. Get off? But... You will be conducted to a sphere bay out on the surface. You are at liberty to board one of the spheres and fly it down to Earth with the rest. With the rest? You mean you're going to attempt an invasion after all? No, it was never part of my plan to spill blood. How do you mean? Not only did your message get through, but your space headquarters took the necessary action. I know that already. But they still expect me to invade. And all over the world, great armies and air forces are standing by, ready to repel us should we set foot on the planet. And so you send us down. What do you think we are, clay pigeons? I'm sending nobody. Anybody who returns to Earth at this stage does so of his own free will. Will any others be going? Thousands. More than half the personnel of the entire fleet. They have chosen to go. I don't understand. How can they have... It's quite easily explained, Captain. I cannot invade now. My strongest weapon has been snatched from me, so I've decided to withdraw. But I have given the members of the fleet an opportunity of returning to their native planet, if they wish. And more than half of them have elected to. Yes. And when I think of the beauty of your planet, I... I cannot blame them. Yet it pleases me to know that so many are prepared to remain under my control and command. You may not believe it, Captain Morgan, but a lot of the people aboard this fleet were quite enthusiastic supporters of my plan to invade. They hardly had any choice, did they? Switch on the intercommunication television. No, don't. One look at him and he'll condition us all. This is no trick. It's not my picture, you will see. Switch it on, Lemmy. Right. It's just a group of conditioned types. They are conditioned no longer. They are men with minds of their own, going up to the surface to prepare spheres for those who have chosen to return to Earth. But they are going with you? Yes. Well, why? Look at them closely. They are men from all parts of the world. They are composed of all kinds of races and colors, but they have one thing in common. What's that? They come from minority groups. Many of them, during their lives on Earth, suffered persecution, were denied common human rights. Earth does not hold particularly pleasant memories for them. You're not kidding. And yet they're singing about Earth? It is a new Earth they have in mind, where persecution, hunger, misgovernment, and wars do not exist. That is precisely the goal towards which the Earth is steadily progressing. But slowly, Captain, so slowly. It won't happen in your lifetime, I can assure you. Well, it won't happen in theirs either. But where is this Earth they sing about? Four light years from here. Proxima Centauri, where there is a planet which is remarkably like Earth. Yes. You're taking them there? I shall try. I don't guarantee that I shall manage it, but I shall do my best. Yeah, but most of those men will be dead long before they get there. They don't mind. They go for their children's sake. Now you haven't much time. Are there any of you who wish to remain and chance the trip to another star? Nobody? Here, how about you, Jack Evans? I'll return to Earth, thank you. Go on, a nice long cruise to do you the world of good. I prefer to stay behind. I can't persuade you? No. Well, that's it then. 
We all want to go home. Very well. Harding will escort you to the bay. Put on your suits and be ready when he comes. The others are waiting. Others? What others? Hello? Hello? Ah, he's gone. He's not answering. But there are several things I want to ask him. Unless he's pulling a fast one, you'll never be able to ask him anything again. Centauri? Yes, I do. I have no doubt that we shall get there. Well, I'm glad you're so confident. And if we can get there, we can get back. Remember that. Tell it to your children. Aye? Come on, Lenny. Aren't you go? Yes, mate. Goodbye, Harding. Good luck. Good luck to you, sir. Oh, blimey, look up there. The earth. It nearly fills the whole sky. I don't mean that. Look at all those spheres. Hundreds of them. Are they all going down to earth? And where else? Now, come on. Get inside the ship or we'll be among those who won't be going. All right, stow your suits and get ready for takeoff. Right, right. Right. Now, Mr. Evans, does this ship carry a radio? Yes. That's it over there. Any idea how to tune it? I think so. And show Lemmy how. And go with him, Lemmy. Try to contact control. Yes, Mike. All set, sir. Take off whenever you're ready. And do it now, but take it easy. Contact. Here we go. We're off. Get the teleview, Mitch. Select a spot on Earth to which we can home on the automatic navigation control. Roger. Well, Jet, that seems to be that. Oh, let's not be too sure, Doc. We still have to convince Earth that those spheres outside and this uh, are no longer part of an invasion fleet. Hello, Earth. Lemmy Barnett calling. Calling control. Can you hear me? Repeat. Lemmy Barnett calling control. Can you hear me? I'd better get over to the radio, Doc. When they do come through, I'll have a lot of explaining to do. Hello, control answering, receiving you. Strength four, repeat, strength four. Come in, Lemmy. What's the news? What's happening out there? Jet, I've got them. Thank you, Lemmy. Leave this to me. I'll take over now. Yes, mate. Hello, control. Morgan speaking. Have very important news for you. Listen carefully. We are on our way down to Earth. Repeat, on our way down to Earth. Accompanied by hundreds of Martian spheres. This is not the invasion fleet. Repeat, not the invasion fleet. Did you ever see such a wonderful sight? Eh, we're only a hundred miles above the surface now. It really is green, isn't it? And we're low enough now to pick out the hills. The higher ones, anyway. Yes, Lemmy. Talk, Lemmy! Yeah? Lemmy, if you want to see a sight, come over here. Well, what is it? The Martian fleet. It's on its way. It's leaving. Six, it is, too. It looks even more impressive from down here than when we were flying in it. Now, we can't look so insignificant ourselves with all those spheres following behind us. I hope they make it. The Martian fleet, I mean. Good luck to them. Hey, what was that, Lemmy? I said good luck to them. At least they got courage. And if you ask me, that new Earth of theirs won't be such a bad place to live well, in. Well, if you feel that way about it, why didn't you go with them? What, and leave Becky behind? Get out of it. She's the one thing I've got that will make life on this Earth bearable. It's getting very close to landing time, Jet. Get back to the radio, Lemmy. Yes, mate. Tell them we'll be touching down within 30 minutes. Right, mate. Get over to number two control table, Mitch. Get ready to take us down. Roger. Hello, control. Lemmy Barnett, call him. How are you doing? You should be sighting us soon. We'll be on the deck within 30 minutes. Thanks for the information. We're all ready for you. Anything 
Oh, uh, just one thing, that's all. Uh, what's that? Put the kettle on, will you? I'm dying for a cup of tea. That was the 20th and final episode in the present series of Journey into Space. Taking part in this recording were Andrew Folds as Jet Morgan, Alfie Bass as Lemmy, Guy Kingsley Pointer as Doc, and Don Sharp as Mitch. Other parts were played by Alan Tilford and David Jacobs. The orchestra was conducted by Van Phillips, who also composed the music. Sound control and special effects were by Brian Willey and Tony Luke. The scientific advisor throughout the series was Kenneth Gatland. Journey into Space was written and produced for the BBC by Charles Tilson. <laughs>